The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. We are like international jet setters, me and Mullins. Mullins and me, Mullins and I, whatever the correct phrase is. We're like the Griswolds. <laughs> the Griswolds? Yeah. Who were the Griswolds? Uh, vacation, family vacation, European vacation, Christmas vacation, is Wally it, World. Is that family? You've, you've never seen no. National Lampoon's vacations? No. Oh, get National Lampoon's, Europe, uh, <laughs> European vacation especially. Can I, can I watch it in front of the kids? Uh, there's parts of European <laughs> vacation you might not want to. <laughs> Although I suspect they've probably seen all that kind of stuff before. I know, but they still get very embarrassed if they're watching stuff in front of their parents. Yeah. Top, e- even the, the sort of what you might call benign Top Gun had a scene in it where they had to hide behind the sofa. Oh, we don't <laughs> want to watch that. No, they're kissing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah it's, But what, it's, what I meant about the jet, jet setting is I've just come back from France and you're going out to Norway. And, uh, and I was talking to Kev about the toll roads. They're not very patient in France, are they? And if if you've got, I love France, but if you've got a car, right-hand drive car, when you get up to a toll booth, you have to do the run of shame around the bonnet to get the ticket, to get back in the car, to go to the next one, get out there, run around again, put the ticket in, get your credit card. And in the meantime, they're hooting at you, Kev. Yeah, patience is not a virtue of the French, <laughs> that is for sure, especially when you've got a UK sticker on the back of your car. Oh, I know, so it might as well just draw a target on the back now. <laughs> but Norway, now you're going to Norway, and you have tolls as well. You can drift through because it's all done by camera. Yeah, well, that's what happened when we went to Switzerland. Do you remember? Yeah. We, we, we came back. We did have a lot of speeding fines, but the tolls were just paid off by paid by the by the uh, car hire <laughs> yes i remember the speeding fine <laughs> you were driving at that time as well and yeah. i got the fine <laughs> but in france i i did worry because i got flashed a couple of times and i i said to uh, one of the hosts who was uh, looking after us at, at the the other end i said oh i got flashed can't believe it and he said, oh, don't worry about it, because the D- DVLA aren't talking to the French version of it and vice versa. Said, so <laughs> n- there. N- none of your, he said, if there's one thing about Brexit that might be an advantage, if we could possibly find something, it would be that you can't get speeding fines. <laughs> 150, 100, 150k all the way home. The Fuji cast. Whoosh, there goes Kia. <laughs> Uh, but you need to be careful in Norway, though, because I, I think they do talk to each other. Yeah. No, all good. I've only got a little picanto or something anyway. I don't think it can speed. Is that, is that it? Picanto? I don't know. Whatever it, yeah, I I just put, went, put your feet on the floor, it'll go faster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever heard of... Push along the road. Have you ever heard of the sans permis? Without permit. Yeah. So they're, they're these tiny little cars in France that are... They are literally... Well, I think they're three-cylinder... They, get, they sound like a hairdryer with something loose inside it. The the um, uh, the brakes on them are essentially bicycle brakes. Uh, they weigh absolutely nothing, and they're for people that can't pass their driving tests because apparently it's really difficult in France, and also for uh, uh, for folk that have uh, well they've got done for drink driving. Somebody I think got done for drink driving and thought, oh, I'll I'll invent the sans permis. Uh, idea and so if you've been done for drink driving you can still drive but you have to drive one of these Brilliant. what kind of like, law is that <laughs> they make you drive in a in a red jumpsuit as well <laughs> they should do right well welcome to the show um 
it's as always your letters um, your emails that you've sent in to click at fujicast.co.uk although Kev we need a few more we're doing quite badly on that at the moment yeah I'm just looking at the Facebook thread yeah. actually yeah come on people listening figures are really good which is nice to say um, yep. but with the letters the emails are, are not as strong as they used to be in terms of number so please keep sending them in uh, Facebook of course you do that by going to the uh, the uh, what do you call it the um, not tagged post oh come on Kev I've been yeah yeah pinned pinned pin, post pinned 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 post pinned post at the top of the Facebook yeah. group yeah and we have a and we have a guest today, Robin Morgan, um, a multiple award-winning British journalist and editor who was the longest-serving editor-in-chief, no less, Kev, of the Sunday Times magazine from 1991 to 2009. Now, you might be saying to me, why are we speaking to a journalist? Uh, because now life is very different. He licenses, um, and many other things, actually, and deals in, I suppose you could say, photographs of icons. And it's big business, Kev. What, like the the word icon and the XL icon and mail icon? Um, well, icons as in iconography, you know, um, people like Beckham. Oh, I <laughs> not, see. Not the icons you're talking about. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> he became even more iconic, didn't he, when old uh, old Lizzie's funeral? I'm not sure. Standing in the queue I'm, and I'm, I'm, queuing I'm, up for 13 hours like the rest of us. Queen Elizabeth II, I think you should still refer to her as, Kev. I know you. I know you have a fondness for Queen Elizabeth. She's always old Lizzie to me. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. I still feel sadness for something that has been my constant in life. But you're right. Yeah, that's what he said. You're right. Beckham was there, wasn't he? It was no yeah. jump. No jump into the front of the queue as a Dave. No, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, good for him, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some of them did, didn't they? Can you imagine being stood in the queue next to David Beckham? Well, I think that's what caused half the queue, because <laughs> as soon as the, the press picked up on that, they were all over him, and then there was a massive bottleneck. They had to close the queue. They had to create a new queue where you queued up to join the queue, because Beckham had joined the queue. No. <laughs> really? Was that the re- real reason? One of the reasons, yeah. So there was a queue for Queen Elizabeth II, lying in state, obviously, and then a queue for David Beckham. There was, a, there was a queue for the for the line in state. Then there was a yeah. there was a queue f- to queue for up Beckham. to try and stand next to David Beckham. <laughs> then they closed the main queue for line in state, oh. and they opened a new queue where you queued up to join the queue for the main queue. It's a good job we like queuing. Yeah, that's a line in America. A line, if you're American. No, they don't call it's it. an a line. It's they're, a line. They not call it a queue in America. No, they call it a line. Oh. Yeah. As in line, the line. line dancing. Uh, oh, no, no, that's very different. That makes sense. That's why we have Q dancing. I always <laughs> wonder why we had Q dancing. Susie Q. <laughs> uh, right. Have we got any bump to the fronts to do before we, we start this today? Don't know. I normally leave that to you, but I can. <laughs> I, can <laughs> do I don't think so. Hang on a sec. I don't recall seeing any. No, we do not. So no bump to the fronts. No. Um, by the by, the way, with the bump to the front stuff, if you are if you are a patron, thank you. We do have one new patron, which I'll do while we're just talking about this. Peter Foot, thank you, Peter. Oh, well done. Be- uh, you will, as a patron, you um, you already know. And if you if you're not a patron, you will get this. But uh, we do the patron pop up mm. um, mini show, which is on the odd week. It's every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's the week we're not on the main show, basically. So it's a shorter, shorter little mini show yeah. where we expand on uh, a subject yeah. that was on in the main show. I've but already, last- <laughs> I've, I've already thought about the subject that we want to do, or I'd like to do next week. It's going to be a question on this show, so you'll hear a bit. But it's a discussion about um, 
charging for weddings when somebody cancels, and this could be anything, so it could be any form of contract, just happens to be a wedding uh, when it's two weeks before the big day. And I want to expand that conversation. Right. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, my point was that if you do, you are more than welcome when you listen. So that will come to your patron in your inbox via yep. email. Yep. And you are more than welcome to to, to um, reply to that with a message on Patreon, and we will pick those messages up. So that's specific to those patron pop-ups. Perfect. There we go. I couldn't have made that more complicated if I tried to. Well, no, I thought you were doing very well. Um, pick time is something we should mention right at the start. Thank you to the good folks at Pick Time for uh, for uh, supporting us. Pick, P-I-C hyphen time. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's uh, picktime.com and uh, we use them we both use them I use them you use them and in the last couple of weeks I feel I've been a bit of an I've never been an ambassador Kev I know you have you've got medals for being an ambassador but but I've never been an ambassador and even though I'm not officially a pick time ambassador I feel I have been of late because I've been showing everybody my my pick time as they've been saying you know how do I actually show pictures to make them you know Look, look a bit more attractive than just sharing a load of files because that's what big time is good at isn't it yeah absolutely it's brilliant well, I mean, we've discussed it and also by the way you will get a free month with the code foodcast in capitals um but yeah i mean i f- for example yesterday i had a order from uh so uh, one of the things that i do is i set up a, an ex- expiry email on my galleries so uh. after one year they don't expire they don't go anywhere they stay online but after one year the clients get sent an email saying your gallery is going to expire, which in technical terms means that when they come to download the pictures again, it will just take a little longer because it does get put onto a kind of external drive, so to speak. Nothing really changes. So your gallery is expiring. Here's a 10% discount code, if you so wish. And uh, yeah, I had a couple of those expire in this, this, because obviously we've only been really going again for a year since COVID. So a couple of those have kind of hit that one year uh, process now and uh, one of them put a big old order in you know, yesterday or the day before bought an album a couple of prints um frame in fact as well got their 10 percent discount so and it was, i i set that up right at the beginning that that disc that um automation for the gallery uh, yeah. the uh, the anniversary and it went i didn't even think about it i don't see those emails and then i just got this email from the client going oh thanks for reminding us and here's our order Ooh. see it's such a simple thing i've always felt a little bit um are you going to say Neil, come on, business, put your business hat on, you're going to say. But I've always felt a bit squeamish about saying, uh, this is about to expire, quick, last chance, 10% off if you do, blah, blah, blah. Um, I probably need to be less squeamish about that, don't I? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> simple answer to that one. And you can do that through pick time. Yeah, you can. It's all it's all the the automations are what make it so powerful. Anniversaries. Anniv- it's anniversary of wedding, anniversary of events, anniversaries of birthdays, if you're using it for portraits. I mean, it's, there's just so many uses, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. one-year gallery expiring uh, email. Boom. There you go. Done. I'm so, very much looking forward to my next six months because there will be uh, lots of galleries hitting that expiry time. <laughs> Yay! Oh, Kev, uh, can I? Uh, I can add that on now, can't I? Really, I could just. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't do it at the start. Yeah, just go in. You go into the automations and you apply it. There's lots of different automations you can do, yeah. but yeah, that's one of them. I know what I'm doing for the next week. <laughs> go through all my galleries. Yeah. So pick pic time dot com and uh, cast in capital letters is your discount code. Right. Uh, questions, Kev. This isn't a question. This is kind of a. It's asking. <laughs> it's asking for a friend. 
and and I really am. It's not because it's something I've done, because mm-hmm. I can I can share I can share what what's happened to me in the past with with regard to this. But I know you'll have some thoughts on this. Is um, it about that funny growth on your bum? <laughs> no, it's not about that. That's oh, your friends, your friends' yeah. bum. Uh, <laughs> I've had Barney bite that off. no this this is uh, this is about what happens when somebody cancels close to an event now there are lots of events there are wedding events there are portrait events commercial events and not everybody but for the most well certainly with uh, with higher priced bookings you tend to work by a contract or an agreement agreement stroke contract and um and this is interesting when somebody cancels with just a short amount of time to go and I'm going to have to tiptoe a little bit through the tulips here because I, I don't want to release um, information about the client, although I'm going to have to say a few things to make it a little bit clearer what's gone on and why it's been cancelled. And uh, I'm being careful about the person that's posed this question as well, i.e. non-gender specific. So if you have a booking, Kev, that you have got and it's contracted, and within your contract you say... If you cancel within a certain amount of days, you are still liable to pay X. If the event is cancelled because somebody has got quite a deep personal family reason for doing so, what would you do? Uh, I wouldn't charge it. No, I wouldn't. I would. So essentially, if it is a, uh, you know, real kind of emotional turmoil, somebody's died, whatever, that kind of thing, then no, I would, I would probably just say, I'm really sorry. Come back to me if and when, you know, you, you, you want to reorganize it and just take the hit. However, if it was a case of like, they just decided they couldn't afford to get married anymore or they couldn't, uh, you know, or the groom has run off with a, you know, a belly dancer from Turkey on his snag do or something like that. <laughs> then then I'd be like, yeah, now you need to pay me. So the hard-nosed Mullins with a contract in his hand, waving it in the air saying, well... That's all right, but fresh air doesn't pay my mortgage or feed the kids. Yeah, it depends on the circumstance. But if it's, a, if it, you know, if it's, because uh, I don't know, obviously you're not going to say, which is fine, but I don't know the circumstance. But like I said, if it's, you know, if it's a real kind of emotional term, essentially, if it was something that I feel like would, if it was, if I was in the shoes of the person cancelling and it was, you know, a real kind of tumultuous personal issue, then I wouldn't be chasing them for the money, no. Um, I, I have had a situation in the past, it wasn't a belly dancer from Turkey, but it was essentially that kind of situation where mm. the groom cancelled with, I, I think it might have been even less than two weeks. And he worked in, the, in, in law and he said to me, well, contracts aren't really worth what they're written on, so if you want to have a battle about this, I will. And uh, Had they already paid though at that point? Nope. He'd held back the money. Yeah. It was very unusual because always a month before is the balance for me, always. Yeah. And although I've become a bit lax of that uh, of late with that over the COVID period, I am drawing that in now. I think we're going back to normal times on that. However, normal, normal, normal service, it would be a month before for the balance. And I thought it was dragging its feet a bit. And, uh, and then it became very clear why. Mm. Now, I did try to chase that because I thought, no, the fact that you, you can't keep your what's it within your trousers, that's... Uh, I'm afraid that's uh, yeah. that's not going to feed that's not going to feed the kids and keep me in a mortgage. So you can no. pay up, you can pay up, Mister. But yeah, the, but, but he, then, wouldn't, he would never pay. Oh, you know, no. and that's a fight just not worth having. Then probably, but had they already paid and he asked for the money back, I would say no. Nope. And if you want to, if you want to go down the legal route and try and get it back, then absolutely. And if at the end of the day the the lawyer says yes, you do have to give it back to him, 
and so be it. But yeah. you, you put the effort and legwork into that. Now, I wanted to uh, just introduce something else here that that I'm really, really sketchy on, and it is a conversation that we've had. Uh, Do you remember during COVID? So this is a UK thing, but internationally there may be similarities. There may be precedents set in your country as well. Do you remember when there was one particular, and I don't want to mention their name, there was one particular wedding uh, group of companies who were told that they couldn't charge either, was it the deposit or the balances for work that they hadn't actually exercised, they hadn't actually performed? They wouldn't refund deposits, would they? And they wouldn't transfer deposits to new dates. Yeah. I think that was what happened. Was that what it was? And then and so. then this this whole thing about you having to only charge the work that you've actually done. Yeah. So did that did that cover balances as well? Uh no, I think it was just deposits. So it was the um competitions com- what they called the competitions and something or other commission department. wasn't it? Commission. Yeah. yeah. Who who took who so somebody took that company I know who you're about took that company to court and said you, you know they're keeping our deposit and so the competitions rulings got involved they said no you can keep some of the deposit but you have to you can only keep what you can prove that you've actually worked on so if if all that happened was they sent you an email said i want to book and you said great the deposit because it's you know big deposits for venues your deposit is four thousand pounds they pay the four thousand pounds and then nothing you know nothing else happened covid came along and they then the client said i want my four thousand pound back then the the venue could reasonably say well you know everything else that goes with booking that and everything took us what two hours you know so So it had to be a couple of hundred quid (laughs) reasonable amount of work yeah. So is is this and my final question on this? I think I've danced around quite well with this one. The the final question is: Is this a lesson to us to charge larger deposits? Because I, in my business, have always gone down the smaller deposit route because I want to collect a larger balance at the tail end of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any of that stuff that's gone before has had an impact on my my choices there. I, I charge a small deposit as well. I charge £200. Yeah. And yeah, for the same reason, I like to have the, the money near at the time rather than at the beginning. And yeah, I mean, of course, the, the COVID thing, I was very lucky in that I think I returned two deposits for people who said, no, nah, we're just, you know, that's it. That's the end. I didn't have to return the deposits, but I did just because I felt bloody sorry for them for or everything that was going on. Yeah. But because they were only £200, I know a lot of people, well, I say a lot, I know a handful of people who during the COVID, when the COVID thing hit, were in a lot of financial strife because they took 50% deposits. And that's a lot of money to give back if you haven't kept that deposit. I always keep my deposits in a, in a savings account, mm. you know, and then once the, once the wedding's done, I kind of move it across so always it's there just in case it needs to go back to them but a lot yeah. of people didn't do that they just yeah. they'd already spent the money and then suddenly the client's like yeah can we have a 1500 quid back or and then that, that's become what they call dead money isn't it that's hard work yeah mm. all right well there we go I, i'm hoping that's helped the uh, the person that had the conversation with me i hope yeah me too Compa- <laughs> compassion whoever it is <laughs> compa- compassion is really important though i think um, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose Alan Sugar would say, oh, there's no compassion in business. You're fired. But uh, I, I do think compassion's important. I'm a great believer in karma. What goes around, comes around, comes around, goes around. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Yeah, totally. Right, let's have a question then. Have you got one from fa- from, from the Book of Face, from Facebook? Yeah, I'm just reading the news. Cool. You remember Coolio? Do you remember Coolio from yeah, Gangster? Yeah, I, I read that only about an hour ago. Yeah, he's died. Big part of my uh, growing up musically. <laughs> I used to love Gangster uh, Gangster Paradise. Paradise, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It was Never one mind. of the most most played songs, I think, of the Breakfast Show that I presented. <laughs> was, that one was a not Coolio again, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. It's probably one of the most kind of that the introduction to that that song they did is probably the most has been sampled. Uh, a lot. Sampled yeah. whatever, yeah. yeah it's, in, it's in lots of things. All right, so um, questions. Rob Whiskin, last latest one is not a question. This is a, a direct dig at me. Oh, question no. for Kevin. Should I edit my pictures on my iPhone or should I get an iPad, a MacBook, an iMac <laughs> or just not bother and listen to music on my iPod with my AirPods? <laughs> All right, clever clogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm having to go way back now to find questions. Let's have a look. Here's one from Daniel Kiss. Okay. And he says, Kevin, can you give... I don't know why he's directing it directly at me. Uh, can you give SEO advice for wedding photographers? <laughs> well, that, well, I know why he's asked you that, because you're an expert above me on anything to do with that. Uh, he says, your website is a good example, and I have seen you place Pinterest images instead of uploading them directly. Video is another good content piece. Any more secret advice? Do you still do Pinterest? No, I don't. I was going to I, I was gonna answer that as part of the thing. So, well, SEO advice is, you know, it's not something we can just answer in, in a salient way in a, in, a, you know, in a couple of minutes from the show. But... Um, the Pinterest thing, for example, I don't have a Pinterest account, no. but I do. Um, Squarespace enables the Pinterest hover thingamajiggy, uh-huh. so I do in- encourage and, and more than happy for people to pin my stuff. Um, I probably do have an uh, uh, an old Pinterest account that when Pinterest was a thing. Mm. On on that account, then yeah. uh, on that account rather, not account on that account. If when they're pinning your uh, pictures. Mm. Would a watermark? I know you have one that just says Mullins, which is great. But would there be an advantage to having an actual website address? As new? it links, it, so when somebody pins a pin, uh, pins a picture from your website to Pinterest, yeah. when if somebody then clicked on that picture in Pinterest, it'll come back to your website. Right. Okay, yeah, right. That's, that's, that's the whole point of it. That's why. That's why that's good. Um, Spot the geezer. What didn't know how Pinterest worked? Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't like Pinterest. Is not. An, it's not an interesting place for me to be. But uh, yeah, it's a good. It it is good because actually the SEO juice from Pinterest is strong. Is it? But it, you know, very very briefly, I'll say what I always say about SEO. Don't think of it as SEO, right? So SEO stands for search engine optimization. Don't even think of search engine optimization. Think of your clients. You're not. You don't want to be optimizing your website for the search engines. If you optimize your website for client experience, then you will do better in the search engines. So a lot of people still kind of you know go down the, the the rabbit hole of chasing backlinks and over optimizing their pages with keywords and all of that kind of stuff with the with the hope that you know you're going to get higher up on the search engines which hopefully you will but ultimately fresh content regular content that's really important it has to be regular and it has to be designed to be easy to navigate easy to flow through your website uh information so these there has been a major update to google in the last couple of weeks in fact where it's now um although this has always been not always but more recently has been a thing where google wants more content that is is action in things so you know for example top 10 tips to book a wedding photographer that kind of thing is great for google these days but ultimately you you know that's not a particularly good thing to put on a wedding website because you know you're just giving people the the, the route to finding other photographers but the the idea ultimately you want to do fresh content is hard as a wedding photographer because your content is generally a blog post about a wedding yeah. and often they're, they're very similar which does make it really difficult for us but you know as i said really optimized for people not for the internet 
Um, fresh content, regular content. That's the key. Answer questions if you can. I'm, I'm looking at yours, actually. This is um, so in, in the past, I know we've talked about this over and over, but there's always new people coming to the party. So um, in the past, we've said Google really wanted to move away from I'm a Berkshire wedding photographer who loves Berkshire weddings. And if you're ever in Berkshire, I, I you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking, I've just chose one of your latest ones from your website. Yeah. KevinMullinsPhotography.co.uk and stories. Beautiful East Norcastle wedding photography for Laura and Max. That's about as SEO-ish as you want to be. And then yeah. you started You started by talking about the castle, which is an interesting twist on this. It was a sweltering July day when Laura and Max got married at the magnificent East Castle, which you've hyperlinked to. East Castle, Eastner, is in Herefordshire. It was built for the first Earl Summers, who employed Robert Smirk as his architect. That's interesting because you've hyperlinked to a wiki about Robert Smirk. Yeah, so you want to be giving information back, essentially. Ah. So if people, if it's, you know, if people think we've Robert Smirk, I'm helping them out by giving them an option to go and look at that ah. content. Yeah, Google wants you to be uh, giving information to people as well as obviously you need to, you, you need to, you know, that, that whole thing about I'm a Berkshire wedding photographer in Berkshire, et cetera. Yes, you need to be super, super careful about all of that stuff. But ultimately, you do need to also let Google know that you are a wedding photographer in Berkshire and you need yeah. to do that somehow. It's a fine um, line, isn't it, now? Because you want to be seen to be writing in normal English or French or German or whatever. Absolutely. Not, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. not in Googleese. No, just move away from all of that idea. Yeah. Uh, write a piece of content that you would think for, so in that case I've written a piece of content that I hope will be helpful to people who are looking for uh, either a wedding at East Castle or a wedding photographer at East right. Castle. and that post so that post now if I look in a private browser uh, for East Castle wedding photography it ranks third on Google wow um, which is good <laughs> that is good just below the actual East Castle. so let no, nobody yeah. ever say if that's correct English that uh, having a blog post on uh, on Squarespace don't do the business because that clearly does, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the whole Squarespace WordPress doesn't matter. It's like it's a CMS. The CMS is irrelevant. It's CMS, you know, it's just CMS, CMS, content management system. Right. It's, okay, yeah. it's just HTML behind the page. You know, that's all that Google doesn't give a damn what what content management system you use. Yeah. Um, it's all about content. Yeah. So, and I've noticed other things you've done here is you've separated some of the pictures with a bit more text. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you talk about the bridal prep. My day started with Laura and her bridal party getting ready in the room overlooking the lake. And there's a few more bits about that. So you are writing differently. Yeah. There's definitely, definitely a bit of googlies in there, but you've, you've got to be careful <laughs> of the amount of it, haven't you? Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to, so in the titles, you need to get your key phrase effectively. That's, right. that's, ultimately what you want to be doing ah so wedding ceremony at east north castle is one of your titles I, yeah. in in terms of titles there's different types of titles you can have aren't there there's title one title two title three how do you how do you choose which yeah they're heading so heading one heading two heading three it used to be that you should only have one heading one tag on a page but actually that's not true any longer um ultimately you want to think of that as as almost like chapter headings um so your main heading will be the title of the blog post and then subheadings will ah, be okay heading one is the title of the blog post heading two is what's heading two then so heading two might be wedding ceremony heading two might also be drinks drinks reception (laughs) heading two might be um cocktail hour i don't know whatever that kind of thing 
Can you go from heading, uh, just because sometimes heading three looks visually nicer than heading two, is there any, um, I know this sounds like a daft question, but I think people do, you know, they, they you know, you look at what things look like. Uh, can you have a heading one and a heading three without a heading two? You shouldn't. Right. You can, and it probably won't have too much of an impact, but technically you shouldn't. And if, if your heading three looks visually more appealing than your heading two, then that's a problem with your design. That, that, that is something you would need to fix in your design. Oh, you can choose what side, size yeah, you yeah. want your headings anyway, can't you? So that's, yeah, yeah, that's course, ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think there are some uh, – we've talked so much, Kev, about uh, SEO, without that being a word anymore or phrase. <laughs> but but there's a few new things I've learned here. Yeah, well, we did a whole show once on SEO. Maybe we should do a, another one. Yeah. Perhaps. Right. If you want another show on SEO <laughs> or what used to be called SEO, let us know and uh, we'll and collect We will some- go and do it. There we go. Ah, so I think I think that's I don't think that's a bad idea. What is SEO otherwise known as now? Digital marketing or Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Content marketing. Right. Robin Morgan, iconography. Um, iconography is quite a, a, a thing now, isn't it? You know, once upon a time, what? What are you talking about? Um, Robin looks after the, the photographs, the collections for, for many, many celebrities. The conversation today covers that, but also, and I, I don't think that will be this week. In part two, I think we're going to talk about that thing that uh, <laughs> that, that you've been trying to get your head around: non fungible tokens (NFTs). Oh my god. <laughs> it's I'm a, too old for that. You're not too old. It's it's a real thing. It's here to stay. And it's not just about silly pictures that people have uploaded of their kids that they, you know, that, that, like a line drawing that they now think is worth £3 million. <laughs> it, it's, uh, no, it's not like that. So we're going to have a conversation. about. I think that'll be in part two. We'll do that one. So you really get to understand what NFTs are. But... Today I want to talk uh, with Robin about iconography, uh, about pictures of the stars, their worth and their collections and, uh, and why it's important to protect them. 18 years at the helm of the Sunday Times magazine, starting out along what, what would have been considered a, a more traditional path, that being local photojournalism, which for you was the bright light of the of the evening echo in Hemel Hempstead. And as I look at you now, I see a wry smile. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping... <laughs> even, before the, even before that. Oh, what was it before that then? The County Express in oh. Worcestershire, age 16, left school, left home and got the first job as a trainee reporter and the rest is history as they say. In Hemel Hempstead isn't so far away from my uh, my stamping ground when I started out with some work experience at a newspaper I'm sure you're aware of called the Hertfordshire Mercury. Oh no, well, not um, the weekly newspaper. Yeah, in, the, it, in the days when there were weekly newspapers with staff journalists covering everything from the cattle markets to the local magistrates. Well courts. that was it, I mean, it was my first experience of being sat in a courtroom thinking well I hope I don't end up here on the business end of it. It, it is a sort of lamented ground now isn't it that the industry has changed that that um, reporters such as yourself would not have had that opportunity so readily now well i think that's why you know i quit journalism after 40 years you know i mean i've done almost everything i could do in in, in print media from uh, being a, a reporter to a foreign correspondent to mm. investigative journalist editing the inside team of the sunday times then moving on to the magazine after a while you you, you stop living out of a suitcase covering war zones and the like and you edit the magazine, and after nearly 20 years of editing the magazine, the print industry is in such decline. And as a journalist, you always want to you, you want to move on to the next thing. You you know you're only as good as your next story. And uh, for me, managing decline in the print industry held held no joy anymore. Yeah. So that's why I quit. 
10 years ago, and I was writing books. Uh, I had a, a three-book deal with HarperCollins in New York. And an old friend of mine, Terry O'Neill, who was a photographer I, I employed on numerous occasions at Sunny Times Magazine, was a little bit broke. And, um, and I helped him organize a couple of exhibitions. And it occurred to me that there was a business there. Yeah. You know, we worked out of a basement in Mayfair, London, with 100 boxes of negatives. I called it negative equity. I said to Terry, you know, uh, <laughs> there's money in these boxes. You know, we've proved that with a couple of exhibitions in London. Yeah. Let's expand it and let's invest time and, and energy in doing this. And Terry, of course, was at the end of his career. Photographers weren't really earning decent money anymore. So he gave me, um, he just basically let me take the lead and, and gave me my head. Uh, so we started off by um, investigating all the negatives in the boxes. And every time we sold a print, we invested the money in scanning and digitizing his archive because the the model for me was very simple. It was like the music industry. If you write a hit song, mm. it goes to number one, you make money. Somebody covers it, you make money. Yeah. And it seemed to me there was a dozen different ways of making money out of a great negative. Uh, so, but the key to it was digitizing and scanning the entire archive so that we can investigate the archive for opportunities, not just in terms of um, exhibitions, we expanded to a dozen and then two dozen galleries around the world, flying around the world, opening exhibitions, which coincided with a huge growth in photographic art mm. and the appeal of photographic art, which went from virtually zero to nearly 8% of the art market within five or six years. But we were investing the money in digitizing and, and scanning that archive so that we could actually answer the call, if you like, from Everything from the fashion and apparel industry that wanted one of Terry's great photographs on a T-shirt or a tote bag to jewellery ranges. Uh, we even recently created a, a, a brand with a famous distiller um, yeah. putting t uh, famous photographs That's right. on, on the whiskey bottles, uh, on, on a collectible no, not, not, not any old whiskey. It has to be 55 years old whiskey. Oh, absolutely. And that's why the pictures were important. Yeah. You know? yeah. Every picture that was selected was from 55 years ago to celebrate yeah. that great year. Yeah. So it, it kind of uh, it, it, it got to the point where we were doing really quite well out of our basement, just Terry, myself, and in turn, when Terry decided um, he needed a payday, he, wa he, wanted, he wanted out. Um, so I put some investors together. We purchased his archive, and the investors uh, loved the business model and put the money up uh, on the condition that I grew the business mm. and added more photographic archive. Uh, and the word was already out there with other photographers that what we were achieving for photography and for photographers was something that they wanted to buy into. And so we started to collect uh, photographers and representing them, and then uh, plowed more of the um, profits into buying other archives. Uh, and then suddenly out of the blue, a, a major American company, uh, ABG, $15 billion company, loved what we were doing, and bought out the investors, who were more than happy. They had a fabulous return on their investment. I'm sure they did. I, w I want to come back to Terry uh, in a little while, sure. because of the, the, the famous cigar-smoking Bridget Bardo uh, pictures. with a cigarette. Probably one of, the, one of the most iconic images. Well, one of the most iconic images for me. I've seen it as a, a large-scale print at a, a very nice boutique hotel and um, quite a few years ago. But actually, that does bring back the question of, of, of art that gets stolen, because a lot of photographs do appear on t-shirts i was speaking to a rap photographer probably last year maybe a little bit longer who said my problem is the instagram he said it was all it was all stolen and i see it on t-shirts a lot how do you even begin to protect iconic art it's becoming easier and easier um i, I mean going back to the start of this business digitizing and scanning everything in yeah. the in the early days of the digital world 
you could impregnate an image with a pixel that yeah. would identify it, and then you could search for it on the internet. But these days, with Google Reverse Image uh, and the ability to police your copyright, uh, we outsource to two companies. One company spends all of its time identifying use on the internet yeah. and, and supplies us with a file on a weekly basis of its use around the world, be it on an eBay T-shirt or on a newspaper or a magazine. Uh, and then we check that list, what's legitimate and what isn't. And when we discover what isn't legitimate, we hand it over to copyright lawyers who pursue the claim for us and take 40% of, of the revenue. You know, there's a 14-year-old kid in, a, in, a, in, a, in his bedroom, you know, knocking off a couple of T-shirts a week to make a few bucks. You don't pursue and harass those kids. Um, but major, major um, copyright infringement, you do pursue. And the interesting uh, way the law works, I mean, for instance, in America, in California, if somebody steals your image and uses it to promote their product, then there's a maximum fine of up to $140,000 every time it's used wow. in social media. So having good lawyers, it's becoming a, a boom business for lawyers as well to pursue copyright infringement. Obviously, they cherry pick what's worth going after and what isn't. But it's becoming easier and easier and easier because the technology changes on an almost daily basis. Uh, of course, we think of celebrities as, as very guarded. And I know iconic photography goes further than celebrities, but let's deal with the celebrities for the moment. Uh, perhaps they are now more than they once were. I mean, let's come back to this iconic image of cigar-smoking Bardot, for example, which is a wonderful picture by Terry. But, but they're the kind of images that perhaps would not have happened so much now. I think celebrities have become far more guarded over oh, yeah. over their image and yeah. some of these wonderful images the monroe images the muhammad ali ones they would be far more stage shall i use the term stage managed now um, more than that controlled i mean yeah. financially controlled i mean i you, i saw this through 20 years of the magazine uh, there was a time when um, i could say I, I wouldn't put tom cruise on the cover of my magazine unless i got a certain amount of time interviewing him uh, and a photographer in the studio to take that shot. Yeah. Um, in the digital age, what happened is that the photographers took over the management of their own image through their lawyers and their accountants and their management companies. So that more and more the magazines were being told, we will select the photographer, we will select the photographs you can use. It's something I always refused to do. Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit mischievous and cheeky and said, look, if you don't choose the photographer I want, we'll just do a caricature and you won't like it. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, it, it got to the point where um, it was almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I quit journalism, you couldn't do decent quality journalism anymore. I mean, today, I think that, that magazines will email questions to a Hollywood celebrities management, and they will get emailed answers back and mm. construct an interview from that. Mm. And they will get emailed photographs back. It's called marketing, not journalism. And that's one of the reasons I got out. There's a lack of spontaneity, too. It's difficult the to The other problem, of course, is the celebrities caught on to the fact that um, they could employ the paparazzi yeah. rather than evade them. Uh, and it's, um, it was very funny. Terry and I were at an exhibition in Los Angeles about seven or eight years ago, and our Uber driver to the airport were, had been the head of a paparazzi agency in Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> employing 12 paparazzi, and there he was driving an Uber. Because, you know, I mean, for literally for the past 10 to 15 years, you know, the major celebrity uh, control their faces. They'll, they'll, they'll send their favoured favored paparazzi, uh, you know, a fax or an email in the morning saying this is where we'll be and this is what we're wearing and mm. this is how you can capture us. 
you will send the photographs to us. We'll select the ones you can put out and we'll take 50 or 75% of your revenue. Well, in fact, that's been going on for years. I mean, it's 25, 25, 30 years ago, a friend of mine, Steve, who I knew through the BBC, who regularly flew to the Caribbean um, to go and make the pictures hiding behind something. Um, Absolutely. To, to, to gather um, images that look like they'd been papped when there'd been anything but. That's why the paparazzi are out of work unless they're employed by the management of yeah. uh, famous people. It's difficult to know where to place this question. As I, I, I want to talk about your life and iconic images over and above your time i mean we could do a whole interview on the on your time with with the magazine clearly but when you left as editor you'd seen a redesign of the magazine you'd built up a team of very established writers you certainly left on a high from from all the reading that i've done about that period of your life Uh, and then the sunday times uh, magazines well all the magazines the sunday magazines changed and there are some photo journalists in particular who lament a move to a more celebrity-based approach that now the magazines have moved away from news and it is about celebrity. And I, I wonder what the fascination with celebrity and the icon is that we have that removed the photojournalism of, look, I'm going to think of an obvious one, um, like a McCullin, away from, from, yeah, yeah. from that news. And it became something, a very different beast. Yeah, and I think that, that that's one of the reasons I got out. The, the, the fact that I could send a Tom Stoddart or, or, or a Don McCullin uh, abroad for you know three months uh, to cover a story, um, and, and the fact that budgets would no longer sustain that. Uh, but the truth is that you know we have seen a massive change, in social, social, political, commercial change. Uh, celebrities are now influencers. Yeah. And the fact that an, uh, a major celebrity can literally charge a million bucks to post on their Instagram page uh, an image of themselves that maybe, you know, surreptitiously holding a certain shampoo or, or perfume, uh, and they're paid a million bucks for that. I mean, that's a, that's a direct result of the fact that, that certainly the major magazines, Condé Nast, Vogue, and others, I mean, moved away in the 90s from... from models and modeling fashion clothes to celebrities modeling fashion clothes and you saw it with the you know the slow inexorable death of great magazines like life you know went from you know to a monthly and then a quarterly and now it's just a celebratory sort of uh, collectible that's published a few times a year or time magazine you know i mean it's um celeb i you know celebrity culture uh is there uh but my attitude to the media uh, and celebrity culture is very simple. Everything's a cycle. The wheel will turn. And I suspect you will find that over the next 10 years, people will turn away from that and turn back to a more um, sophisticated, intelligent, and detailed print media. It may be that they'll be paying, you know, $15, $20 for a great magazine once a week that tells them everything they need to know in detail. Mm. But I think the daily newspapers left has been left behind and they become more and more comics. Certainly in, in my day when I started the Sunday Times in the late 70s, right through to the 90s, you know, 5% of the newspaper was opinion. Now, if you pick up a newspaper today or read it online, you'll find that probably 40 or 50% of it is opinion. Opinion's cheaper. You don't have to send a journalist anywhere. They sit at the desk and they write. You mentioned that, that when you worked with Terry, um, obviously that was the kickstart for the business. Um, you were able to look through his images and help him. He helped you. and But you also employed, I think, um, and the number I saw was 16, might, might well be more, um, staff to, to help you track down images that will one day be 
iconic. And I wonder where on earth you even managed to start doing that, because it's not like the classic Vivian Mayer story where somebody just finds a a, a box of photographs at a garage sale. Yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were having to, well, you were essentially being detectives. Yeah, and we still are. And it's, you know, we started out with myself and Terry Lynn in turn. We grew from, you know, the three of us. Terry was just there really to give us information about the time or the date a photograph was taken. Yeah. Um, we grew to five staff. Uh, and then when we started to energize and, and, and monetize the business in a significant way, I could hire more. Editorial is still a vital part of our business. Mm. For instance, in terms of scanning and handling and archiving the negatives, I chose young photographers who knew how to work with negatives and respected them. I hired you know, journalistic uh, journalists um, to help me track them down. That wasn't too difficult. My deputy is Carrie Kanya, who is my publisher at HarperCons in New York. You know, that sort of editorial expertise and the knowledge and the fact that we all, you know, Carrie and I and others have great contacts we can call upon. Yeah. Um, we're currently tracking down a, one of the great lost archives, um, a man called Anthony Beechmer, who was Winston Churchill's uh, son-in-law, who sadly died in 1957, and, and his archive been, has been lost for decades. Uh, and then out of the blue, through word of mouth, somebody had heard about us, uh, and they walked in with a cardboard box full of 300 original negatives of Anthony Beecham's. Oh, my word. So we're now scouring the internet and, and putting the feelers out there to build on that and to accumulate this lost archive in conjunction with the family. And it's amazing what you can achieve with the right technical expertise. I mean, that's the beauty of this, this current environment we work in is the ability to, uh, I'll give you an example. We recently found a photograph of the Beatles taken by Terry, which is a fabulous shot that's going to earn a significant revenue for us going forward. Uh, and it was in a crumpled old newsprint magazine from 1963. Our ability to scan that crumpled, pixelated, black and white image, creased and piece of old newsprint and then work it on the computer to bring it and restore it back to its original quality yeah. was a couple of days work. I mean what we're working with now which is really interesting is we're taking still images I call them still images still photos that move so we're animating still photographs I can take one still photograph uh, and turn it into a three-minute video. So, so I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking of this image straight away. And I, I'm not sure whether it's part of your archive or not, but I'm thinking of Yusuf Kash with, with the, the Winston Churchill picture. I oh, always think of this as, as an iconic picture. But that as an animated piece of art across three minutes, is that possible? Yeah, I, I could take that. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I actually, I, I, I employ my old design director, Steve Reed from the magazine, who's a genius at design. He can do everything from a book but he can take that photograph of, of Winston Churchill Karsh and, uh, and literally in a, co- in a couple of hours' work, he can have the cigar smoking with the, the end of it, you know, uh, puff, puffing away with a, with a cinders smoking away. Winston, we, I mean, we know the story behind the photograph, of course. He was so angry at Karsh for taking his time that he was scowling at Karsh. Yeah. Particularly when Karsh told him to take the cigar out of his mouth. Well, he whipped it out of his mouth, didn't he? He, he whipped left, it out of his he, mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And caught the scowl of Winston Churchill. But I can <laughs> animate that so that Churchill goes from a scowl to a wink while his cigar smoking away. So that's creating stories. That that's yeah, yeah. And, and that's the next step for us. The yeah. fact that I have you know five rolls of medium format film uh, in, in my digitized now of say David Bowie mm. in the studio for a, an album shoot. Now, we could animate that with the new technology that's coming through 
Within five years, I'll be able to turn that into a 15-minute to a 30-minute video. And Robin Morgan returns in a couple of weeks. Every fortnight, Kev. We're not, it's not bi-monthly anymore. Every fortnight. Two weekly size trips. <laughs> Drinks reception. Right. Um, questions, questions. Oh, this is probably a good time to appeal for you to to send them in. I know that, uh, you know, how many years have we been doing this now? Three years. Not every question has been asked, and the show uh, it re- really relies upon your questions. It's a Q&A show with a small Q or a large Q. So uh, send them to us. There's two ways you can get them to us. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Or the other way, Kev, is on and through Facebook. Indeed. In the Facebook group, search for Fujicast, join the group. Uh, is about, uh, I don't know, two and a half thousand, three thousand people in there now. No, very nice people, every single one of them. Yeah. And, uh, there is a pin thread at the top where you can pop your questions in and they are the ones that will be answered on the show. Did you in know, theory. It, it, what do you mean in theory? Well, there's some that I haven't got round to. Oh, okay. Some are very, uh, similar to other ones. So, you know, we just kind of, I manage it. It's all right. No, su- no such thing as a daft question, no such thing as an old question, because there's always somebody new. And as Correct. we learned in the last bit with digital marketing, there, there's always new twists and turns to be uh, to be learned along the way as well. Yeah, uh, And you're right, we should do a digital marketing week. So let us know if you would like us to do that. And I think the best way to do that will be to send us some specific questions and some areas that you really would like us to, to tackle. Yeah. I have one that's ongoing at the moment, which by the time you hear this, hopefully will be sorted. <laughs> Guess who forgot to renew his security certificate, Kev? Mm, are you asking for a friend? <laughs> no, I'm asking for me on that one. <laughs> what an eejit. Oh. While I was sampling the fine red wines of the chateaus of France, my security certificate was running out. And why is a security certificate necessary, Kev? Well... A security certificate is necessary because it tells uh, Google and Bing and my, all the other search engines that you have a uh, well-behaved domain yeah. that is uh, handling cookies correctly and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Ultimately, it was implemented by Google first, and then it became a requirement for your site to be ranked on Google. And uh, now if people go to a website that doesn't have an active SSL, then they will get the big red exclamation mark that says, don't go any further, this site is not secure. No, and there's no ranking going on in my life, if you pardon no, the phrase it's a, it's at the moment. a big, bad thing. Will I, be, will I get a black mark for this? I would say probably if you deal with it soonish, yeah. no. Right. And the reason for that is because your website hasn't been updated in a long time, so Google probably doesn't come around very often to have a look at it. Right. But if your website was a very active, busy website, then, uh, yes, it would it would have an impact quicker. Right. Well, this is the, the jump I need to move it very quickly to the um, the Squarespace one that I've been working on, isn't it? It is. Because if you have a Squarespace site, you don't have to worry about any of that kind of thing, do you? Oh, SSL is just part of the Squarespace. All part of the package. All part of the party. So uh, there we go. That's a kick up the backside. And if you need to look after your security certificate, get it sorted. Don't ignore the emails and think, I'll do that next week. I'll do yeah. that the week after. And- and worse still, yeah. don't when you do get the email, don't ring up Kev and say, I've had this email, what do I need to do? And then I explain it, and then you say, oh, yes, well, I must do that before I go to France, and then not do it. I did. Yeah, you were quite right. Uh, in fact, I remember where I was. I was on the M25, that bit where you go, you know that bit, you know that stretch where it just goes... Oh, I hate that, 
it's a kind of the old concrete stretch. The, rumble I think, strips. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, I don't know if it's rumble strips. I think it's just the original, original part of the M25 that's still left. It's like antique. And, and just, it's the most not, you can never have a phone call, but I remember calling you and saying, Kev, what do I do about the boom, 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 SSL <laughs> certificate? Oh, dear. Oh, get it sorted, Kev. Right. Questions. Shall we go to the book of face, first of all? Yeah. Uh, so Luke Warwick says, X100V, is there a way to customise a button straight to video or do you have to go through the drive button every time? Uh, the answer is no. You have to go through the drive button every no, single I know, time. I know, I know. Um, and I'll go on to another question because that was a quickie. Is there, a, is there by the way, uh, um, because I, you won't believe I'm still doing it, is there, is there because on every other body there seems to be a, a way to quickly do a format. Is there a shortcut to a format on X100V? Yeah, there's like a combination of buttons. Do you know what the combination thing. is or are you still doing it not like I am? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, <laughs> not, go, not off the top of my head. I still go through the menu and I keep thinking I must look up how to do this because this is daft. Uh, yeah, I normally stick it in my, my mind menu, mind menu, my mind menu. <laughs> There's a, there, you can set up your own mind menu, which then becomes my mind menu. In your case, it'll be your mind menu. Yeah. Can I just have Kev's menu? I prefer Kev's menu. my menu, yeah. Can you, you send, can, menu. can you send your mind menu to my men, my menu? Yeah, yeah. And we'll share my we'll menus. Have a, we'll have a X100V love fest. <laughs> I'll swap. You can have a bit of my mind menu. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right, another question, since that one was so easily sorted. Okay, so Jarell Gates says, Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Uh, question for Yal. Yep. Uh, when it's quitting time at a wedding, do you go and give uh, say a big, long, dramatic goodbye to the bride and groom and give them a hug and kiss and shed tears over parting with them or just disappear without a trace? Or is it something in the middle? I always ask if they have any other photos they want to get when it's about 30 to 40 minutes till my end time. Then come say congratulations, give them a big hug or handshake and good night. But I'm curious how you handle it. Wow, that's we've had this before. I got in a bit of trouble for my answer. Did you? Well, I'll tell you what I do. I in the in the conversation I have with a with a couple. There's a lot of wedding questions this week. It's just the way it goes, by the way, sometimes. But um, yeah, when I have my conversation with couples prior to the actual day itself, um, so mm-hmm. I, I do do a, a, a little Zoom get together. Uh, it's only about 20 minutes and the last thing I say right at the end is now I know and it's almost word for word this now I know this sounds a bit strange but uh, at the end of the night when I've told the story you know when when I've done the um, half an hour to one hour dancing or whatever the contract says that I'm doing um, when when I get to that point I (laughs) don't worry if I don't come and say goodbye I know my place in life I'm there to tell your story I say it just like this tell your story and the last thing you need is some idiot photographer with a Shakespearean tragedy coming across. I'm going now and sort of announcing it to the room. And they usually laugh. And that's fine because I don't want to get involved in long, elongated goodbyes. You know, I've told my story. I've got it. And I, I, the next time you'll hear from me is when all the pictures are ready to see. Yeah, uh, I'm exactly the same. Uh, I don't have the Zoom conversation with them, but it is in the notes that I send them before the wedding. At the end of the day, I'll just disappear into the night and you won't notice that I was even there unless I've left something behind you, in which case I have to go back and get it. <laughs> yeah, same same thing. You know, I don't want to go. I'm just thinking back to the last couple of weddings. You know, they were both midnight finishes. Yeah. They were both, uh, you know, they were well into kind of bopping away on the dance floor. Yeah. I'm not going to go and you know, and, and disrupt all of that kind of stuff. So no, I just disappear. Of course, if I'm, if I'm getting ready to go and they come up to me or, or I pass them on the way out, yeah, of course, then you of say course I'll say, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but the last thing I would do is say, now, are you sure we've got all the pictures? <laughs> that I would never say, I have to say, uh, now, of course, you know, if you're more of a kind of group shot type photographer, editorial, 
then perhaps it's it's a it's a valid question but i wouldn't open that kind of words well, i don't know even even at half past nine at night when it's gone dark you've lost all that useful beautiful light that you had for doing the wonderful group shots earlier that you say have you got anything more oh yeah we've got that large one we wanted aunt auntie uh, auntie auntie frosty wanted to do that that picture with that auntie nancy and all and we let me go and find them it could take me about half an hour auntie frosty i don't know why where auntie frosty came from i don't know auntie nancy is your one yeah i got an auntie nancy yeah, yeah. Auntie, frosty. <laughs> got an auntie frosty that's a bit weird i don't know where I've that got came a couple from. of ex-girlfriends who are frosty but <laughs> no it's kev stop <laughs> but no i think um personally for me i don't think it's necessary to do elongated big goodbyes who needs them they're dancing they're enjoying their friends they're having fun quite right yeah. uh one from don harrington hi team fujicast team what team have you got there, Kev, with you? Me and my LucasAid Energy and my new pen and That's my uh, new hard drive. The beating heart of, of the Mullins Industries. I've mm. just got Barney down here. Hello, darling. Barney's here. It's team me. Me, yeah. and, me and Barnes, you and your hard drive. Yeah, I have no idea where my dogs are. Probably getting up to no good somewhere. Question about... OIS not working with IBIS. I have uh, the 70 to 300 when used with my X-H2S, X-T4 or X-S10, the image gets a slight blur or perhaps a false feedback. When used with my X-T30 or X-Pro3, it's tack sharp. Any ideas on how to fix this weird phenomenon? The 70 to 300 does not have an option to turn off the optical image stabiliser. Um, Thank you, Don Harrington. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that would be. So you do have options in the menu to switch off um, OIS. You can have it set to always on, yeah, or you yep. can have it set to just when shooting. Might be worth checking those settings, make sure they're correct. You really, I would only have the uh, image stabilization switched off if I'm on a tripod. But you can't, you know, you. It sounds like the. Image stabilization in the lens is counteracting the image stabilization in the camera. But I have been reliably told, I may have been reliably told incorrectly, but I'm fairly sure it's not, that the cameras, the modern cameras are intelligent enough to understand that if you've got a body that's got OIS and you stick a uh, OIS lens that has it built into the lens, then it will automatically do the uh, wizardry and shindiggery Ooh, that's needed. It's like gnomes under the bonnet, that one. Yeah. But I would check those settings first. It's obviously not a problem with the lens because it's working fine on the other yeah. bodies. I suspect it's something like that. Okay. Right. Um, Book of Face. The Book of Face says... Um, no more question. <laughs> Tim Clark, I just don't understand the point of all of the EVF and screen settings. <laughs> if I'm on auto, it just goes dark. So I'm on plus four, which surely affects the exposure indirectly. Any advice? I have come from another system where I know what I, I see in the EVF will match what the photo will look like. Mm. Thank you. Okay, so yes, you do you you do have options to brighten the EVF and all of that kind of stuff. I just leave it off, leave it on zero, yeah. because yeah, you want you 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 don't want to be looking through the EVF and seeing something that's not real. No, the reason why those options are there are because sometimes if you're certainly if you're in like bright sunshine and all of that kind of stuff for the LCD at least, not so much the EVF. Um, then that that can help, but yeah, I mean, mine doesn't change. Yeah, I can't remember recall actually. I don't have a camera in front of me whether it's auto or zero is an option for off. Um, but mine certainly doesn't change. Doesn't get darker or anything like that. Just keep it on off. 
that's the best. Keep it on off. Keep it keep it off. Keep it on off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> off on the on switch. Um, here's uh, here's one from Jason McFowl in. Uh, I love. Have you ever been to Australia, by the way, Kev? No. <laughs> we should put that right one day. I love the place names, though. I get it. I hope, hopefully, won't get this wrong. It's uh, Wollongong, Wollongong in Australia. We're Wollongong. We are Wollongong. Have you ever heard of Wollongong? Isn't it Wollongong? W o double l o n g o n g. Is it Wollongong? Maybe it is. Maybe maybe you speed up on the start of the word Wollongong. Wollongong. Well, anyway, it's in Australia. Um, hi Neil, hi Kev. Thanks for the show. Love it. Glad you're changing to buy monthly. In Australia, we say fortnightly. Well, we do now here as well. Yes. Um, what's your advice for getting a good exposure when taking photographs of people, some with light skin, some with dark skin, all in the same shot? What do you do with camera settings and also in your post-editing? Very good question. Um, because, of course, diff- diff- different uh, shades of skin will um, react in entirely different ways. And a- actually, sometimes um, either dark and dark skin, different tones, or light and light skin, different tones. Uh, I'll give you an example. When you're taking a photograph and you've got a young child in the, um, in, in the same sort of group shot for me, uh, then often it's almost like the skin becomes translucent, Kev. That's because you photograph ghosts. <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. Ghostographer. Ghostographer. Ghostography. Uh, yeah, very good question, though. Now, you can solve this a little bit if, if of course, you're using fill-in flash in Wollongong. But um, I would use evaluative meet- metering for a start. So I wouldn't be spot metering. I'd be using evaluative meet- metering for that particular uh, group shot without a shadow of a doubt. And you may, in, in post-production, need to lift or drop on either side the exposure of um, some skin tones. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly that. I mean, the, the 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 correct, the best way, of course, would be to use lights. But neither you or I, I don't, I think, would do that. Um, and yeah, use the. I mean, the metering, of course, is if you're shooting manually, then you you you're taking full control of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's. I never really worry about those situations. And then in post production, it's something that is usually easily re- to rectify. If you're doing uh, if you're doing group shots, I, I tend to when I've got lots of different skin tones then I, I tend to sh- make sure that I shoot those particular portraits in the shade. Because yeah. You want the light to help you, and you don't want to be fighting. You're fighting the light as it is sometimes in Australia, I'm sure, with the beautiful quality of uh, de- density of light that you get. Um, yeah, so that, that's very true. That's one to think about. He also had a second part, and it's not so much a question, but it, it's um, a, a story about a highly poisonous spider, which, of course, you get many of in Australia, don't you? I went yes. into my boy's bathroom and saw a red-back spider on the wall. I called out to the boys, how long has the red-back been in here? And my son called back, oh, a few months. I said, why didn't you kill it? And he said, he's my friend. Yeah, that's fair enough. I I wouldn't like the idea of killing the poor thing, but I probably would have moved house. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I'd have left a red-back. Well, what happens when he disappears behind the toothbrush? Mm. Hey. And you're, exactly. you're looking around the back. Where did I put my toothbrush? You put your hand around the back and whoosh, he's eating Ugh. you. Ugh. Gives me the Wollongongs. Speak <laughs> the Wollongongs as well. There was a, a story while, uh, while, I was, while I was in Australia, Kev. Have you been to Australia? While I was there, there was a story in the news of a, um, a, a poor builder. And you know those little builder huts they, they have? Just, you know, obviously when they need to go and spend a penny or more mm-hmm. than a couple of pennies. This guy was spending more than a couple of pennies. 
if you can read between the lines. Yeah. And he sat two down. Two pennies. He, two pennies. He was sitting down on the on the throne with his uh, copy of Wollongong Daily or whatever it was he was reading. And um, there was a spider underneath the seat. I mm. uh, can't remember if it was a black widow or a, what's the worst one to bite you? Or a redback. Anyway, I think it might have been a redback. And it bit him on the bum. Ow. And uh, he had to be taken to, uh, it, he had to be taken to emergency uh, straight to the hospital uh, because it came up like a real egg and he, he was in a lot of pain because they cause a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what's the chances? He goes back to work uh, and the next week he's sitting on the throne with the Wollongong Daily again and a red bat bites him straight back on the bum again. Oh. There's, a, there's, there's obviously a, something to be learned in that. That red bat's got a fetish. <laughs> I think it has. I was wondering if it was the same one. Anyway, right, back to Facebook. Have we got time for any more? Yeah, we've got time for just a, a couple more questions. Okay, so we will be, we're going right away back now. Um, I've answered all these. Um, Matt Seals, uh, another question Who? from Australia, I think, isn't it? Muscles? Um, Matt Seals. Oh, Matt Seals. Right, sorry. Seals. These are muscles, right. Matt Seals, sorry, that's my uh, Welsh life living language loving the show as always qq for you with this year being the 10 years of x mount anniversary for fujifilm what would you both say is the most important camera body and lens released during that time for the development of the x series that is a good question without a shadow of a doubt it's got to be the x100 v uh, x100s hasn't it well, yeah, you can uh, you can approach this in uh, if it wasn't for the first X one hundred, then none of the others would have existed. Yeah. Um, probably, I would say, yeah, I'd probably say the X one hundred is is kind of the most important one that they they did. I would say then closely followed by the X Pro because the X the X Pro one the X Pro one was the one where they they really understood that um, there are people who want to use changeable lenses and the whole system is something that could grow um, very quickly from that. Originally, my understanding is the X100 was a uh, essentially a test to see if people would buy such a thing. Yeah. It flew off the shelves. And they did, yeah. And then they realized, actually, we could use that sensor in another camera and, uh, and you know, and, and kind of build on it. And, and they did. I think it was only 19 of them in the team at that time. It wasn't called the Fujifilm X100 when it first came out, was it? Was it a Finepix? It was called the Finepix yeah. X100, yeah. Uh, and I think it was a massive surprise to them, wasn't it? Just how well it had done. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. without without the success of that camera, there will be no Pros and Ts and GFXs. Yeah, exactly. So in, in that turn, I would say that the X100, the original Fujifilm Finepix X100, yeah. was the most important in the last 10 years yeah, of yeah. that series. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I, I've always wondered, by the way, and you, you might be a, a, able to answer this. What what uh, what Cunha was to the team then was was he the main designer? No, Massasan is the designer. Oh, was Masa-san. the designer? Yes, sorry. Cunha was the marketing brains behind it. But it was the it was the it was the joint sort of it was a thing between them though that that's responsible for Fujifilm. Yeah, exactly. And then there was uh, Toshi as well, Toshi Lida, who was then was the head of digital imaging, right. who was essentially the one brave enough to get the funding from Fujifilm Holdings to to run with this idea. And Toshi is now like super head of almost all of Fujifilm, so he's he's obviously did his career a world of good. Yeah. 
Um, right, before we have the last question, which isn't so camera related, so I'm going to try and find, uh, we might want to do a QQ from Facebook as well. We should um, mention our friends at uh, Pick Time again, pick-time.com, who are kindly supporting this show. And if you go to pick-time.com and you're checking out, as it were, that sounds a bit serious, then if you if you use the word Fujicast, all in is it all in? Um, it is all in capitals, capital I think. Letters, yeah. Then you will get one month off, won't you? One month free, rather. One month free uh, yeah. for, for your for your first subscription. And we talked earlier about the um, uh, the beauty of being able to set anniversaries, which I think is a really great idea, Kev. That's what I'm going to be doing f- for my next week once I've sorted out the SSL. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you need to sort out your website first. Yeah, but yes. sort that out. And then you can look at the automations in PickTime because they uh, are absolutely amazing. What other automations do you use? Because there are other automations, aren't there? So I do a um, a 10-day initial, when the gallery goes live, um, for anybody that any of the guests that, that log on, they get a 10% discount code straight yep. away that's valid only for 10 days, first 10 days. And uh, so when they, they register and then they get their password and all that kind of stuff, it will send them this code and it will also appear as a banner in the gallery saying, you know, you've got 10 days at this code to buy prints or whatever you're going to buy. Yep. And you get your ten percent off. That's they're the two that I'm I mostly use. But you can do all kinds of stuff, um, all kinds of stuff. Here's a thought as well, because um, because it's unlimited, isn't it, with the amount of galleries you can put up? It depends on your su- subscription level. That's yes. true. That's true. But if you get the right subscription level, it's unlimited. So I have the unlimited. Yeah, um, it's a really really good uh, cloud backup for your work, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I, you know, if ever I need to get images from a wedding, from because I have all of my weddings on there now, I've migrated them all from my old um, provider. Yeah. So if I need to dig into a wedding from 2015, I don't go looking around my my hard drives. I go to pick time and I just pull down the images that I need. Which is amazing. So you've gone back in time with it. Uh, now, was was there a way of uploading that more quickly than than having to sit there and do them all individually? Yep. So, uh, Pick Time. If you if you're a subscriber to Pick Time, you can. I think it's a dollar a gallery. Right. Uh, let's just say you've got a, another provider with, and you've got. In my case, I had three hundred and fifty odd galleries I wanted oh, to move across. Blimey. So I just I did them on a, a yearly basis. So mm. I, I filled in the form. There's an online form. You fill it in. And you tell them which galleries you have to give them the password to your old provider, um, and then they just go and do it all for you. Brilliant! And they create a new gallery for you. Yeah, it's brilliant. It saves so much time. So go it- to pick-time.com when you go to the checkout. Put Fujicast all uppercase letters, and then you get one month free. Can yeah. I, can do I check it out. It really is amazing, and I know they are they are supporting the show. Yeah, but um, well, you know, as we've yeah. said many times, we both Neil and I have been using it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one from Dublin. Oh, that's a great place to go for photography, isn't it? Dublin. Love it's a fair Dublin. city. Mm, it is a fair city. This is from David McCormack. I'm a long-time listener, but this this is the first time I felt I had a question of such significance to justify writing in. And it's one for me, really. And, and actually, it kind of crosses the boundaries of both the podcasts that I do. Um, what are your thoughts on the outcome of the Garibaldi Biscuit Challenge on the Great British Bake Off? <laughs> <laughs> UK demand immediately when they announced the challenge as an indisputable aficionado of this divisive uh, biscuit variety. Do you, um, yeah, well, I didn't watch that one. So there we go. There's the answer to that. But you can't. I tell you what, you can't beat Tesco's own Garibaldi biscuits. They are just the right amount of sugar, just the right amount of crunch, just the right amount of dead flies. 
Done. <laughs> Do you like Gary Baldies? Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, not, I can't really think the last time I had one, but yeah, I, I like anything with sugar in it. Yeah. I'm a, I got a real sweet tooth. Not, I'm not so keen on the Sainsbury's one, um, which for me is a bit more. I'm sorry, this is just a personal thing. I'm sure there are many people that love their variety, just a bit cardboard for me. But this is not a show about Garibaldi's. Yours sincerely, a one time and long time Canon user, followed by a short dalliance with Sony, and now happily settled with a GFX and XT3 system. Just to bring it back to something related to the show. Lots of love from David. We should uh, we should go over to to Dublin. Sample. Yeah. Never mind the Garibaldi's. Sample some of the the fine uh, fine Guinness. Have you yeah. have you got one final QQ that you can go with, or or, or are we done? Because you've. Uh, let me see if there's a quick question. I'm making it not very quick now, have I? No. <laughs> that really is it <laughs> after all that I thought I can edit some of this stuff out when you were we doing need the, more questions when you were doing the rup, 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 that reminded me of the sound that the aircraft makes when you land you know when, it, when there's, there's something going on underneath the gnomes are pulling in the um a pu- a, a, a pulling in um a, the uh, what do they call it not the stabilizer oh, the bit <laughs> I should know this <laughs> being a flyer. Uh, the bit of the wing that gives you more lift. Oh, what's flaps. It? Flaps, thank you. <laughs> I already said it. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear you first time. <laughs> uh, that's what I thought you were doing anyway. That's it for, for another week. In a couple of weeks' time, uh, Robin Morgan will return and we will get behind non-fungible uh, fun- fungible tokens so that Kev, at long last understands them and maybe one day we'll even move into them but at this point let's make this very clear there won't be a couple of weeks time we've do you know how many times over the last three years have we said this kev if you don't get your questions in and there's an easy way to do that well there's two easy ways you can send them in to the email address which is click at fujicast.co.uk click at fujicast.co.uk there could be questions about uh, your social photography technical stuff kev does the tech stuff so so well um they can be questions about what did we say did we say the website search engine optimization anything yeah personal Any, questions gary, business. i mean gary baldy's for heaven's sake yeah uh, or you can send them in via our, our amazing facebook group and how do you do that mr mullins go to facebook Fujicast Facebook group and uh, pin thread at the top. Do you know we're just about to get our one month, one, one month, one millionth download? Did you know that, Kevin? One millionth. I wish yeah, we were able to cool. identify who that one million would be. <laughs> I know. Perhaps we could give them a prize. I know. That's what I was thinking. It would be quite fun to do that. Anyway, look, you've got to get to the airport. You're off. Yeah. You're off. You are to, to Norway. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I hope I enjoy it too. I'm sure well, the wedding will be lovely. But as usual with these types of things, there's always stress getting there. Well, you've got to do your four-hour drive at one end. Drive, yeah. You'll oh, be so right. Yeah. So let's say it's, it's that. Either side, really. I've got to get Gatwick, I've got to park, I've got to get on the bus, get on the plane, pick my hire car up, drive, shoot the wedding, and then do everything in reverse. <laughs> Don't do what I did on the, uh, the final day of leaving France. It was early in the morning. I, I pulled out onto the road. It was raining. I was feeling a bit tired. I had a 12, 14-hour drive ahead of me, and I pulled out the wrong side of the road, Kev. Ooh. I deserve my hoot and flash for that one. I really did. Be safe out there, Kev. 
Um, bye-bye. Speak to you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.